0: Someone tabs you as being the creator of the world and everything in it. You're going to grab the attention of people. When someone hears about how you turned water into wine, and I'm not talking about a little bit, but more than likely over a hundred gallons per se. Well, you're going to grab attention. When you go into a temple or a house of worship and you clear out the congregation with the whip because they're using the church house for crooked intentions. Well, guess what? You're going to grab attention. But a lesson in life that we've all come to understand is this. Just because you draw attention doesn't mean that people what? It doesn't mean that people understand. You know, one of the most interesting conversations in the New Testament takes place between a man named Nicodemus and Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this man known as Nicodemus, he had come searching, the Bible says, for Jesus by night because there were some questions evidently rumbling around in his mind and in his heart about who Jesus really was. And more than likely, he witnessed Jesus clearing the temple. More than likely, he was an onlooker when Jesus had performed miracle after miracle. More than likely, he had heard the excitement in the air as people started believing in Jesus' name. So at this point in Nicodemus' life, there were questions that needed to be answered about who this Jesus Christ really was. And Nicodemus was no ordinary man, according to the Jewish customs, according to their culture. This man was a Pharisee, and he wasn't just any Pharisee. Oh, no, 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 he was also part of the Sanhedrin. He was part of this higher court in Israel. So the story, it's not about a poor man that's out meandering through the streets at night, and he happens to stumble upon the Messiah. No, this is a story about a man that more than likely had no physical needs. He was rich in standard, he was rich in popularity, he was rich in education, he was rich in religion. And this was a man that I'm sure thought that he had life by the horns. Enriched in religion, enriched in law, and powerful in the public eye. But even in his comfort, there was discomfort. Because Nicodemus couldn't quite place his finger on who this Jesus really was. And I have to wonder how many people are like Nicodemus. I have to wonder how many people have heard the word or the Bible and they've seen lives changed because of Jesus, but they're just not sure if it's true. They're just not sure if it's genuine. I wonder how many people are thinking that their lives are are okay, that things are going well, but there's still something that's missing. And just like Nicodemus did, I, I wonder how many people understand what's truly at stake. In our scripture this morning, Jesus doesn't just explain what Nicodemus needs, but Jesus also explains the result of belief and unbelief. For all of us. Look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15 and 18. Hear the word of God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And replied, Jesus declared, I I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Well, how can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered him, he said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. And flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at any And my sayings, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and, and you don't understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but but still, you people don't accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then would you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. And then jump down to verse 18. Whoever believes in Him, and this is Jesus, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Let's pray. Father, what a great day that you have already blessed us with, Lord. Father, we got to witness you at work this morning through baptism. Father, what a great blessing. Father, we thank you for Jacob. Lord, we thank you for his family. What an awesome privilege it is as a parent to know that your kids are saved, Lord, and they've been baptized. Father, there's not a greater feeling in this world to see you move and to see you make a difference. Father, there's people here this morning that maybe they don't truly understand the need of salvation. Lord, they're coasting through life on their morals or coasting through life on their wealth, their popularity, their homes, their games. Lord, I don't know, but you do. Father, I pray this morning there is not one person that leaves this auditorium today that doesn't understand what's at stake. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit's already moving. I can feel it. Lord, I know you're here. And so, God, let us not just hear these words, but, Father, let us respond. Lord, we want to see people saved. We want to see people baptized because, Father, we know it don't just grow the church. Lord, it grows your church. It grows your kingdom. And we're all fellow workers in that. So, Father, bless this time. Use it, Lord, to your glory. And, Father, help us to truly understand the need. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. In verse 2, we see Nicodemus, he comes by what? He doesn't come by boat, he doesn't come by vehicle. He walks, and he comes to Jesus by night in search of Jesus. Now, many believe he came by night to avoid persecution and fear of publicity, yet others believe he came by night to avoid the crowds. But one thing we know for sure is the Scripture says he came by what? He came by night. And as he entered to where Jesus was staying, he he said to Jesus, he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous things you're doing if God were not with him. So Nicodemus and others knew that God was with Jesus, and the signs and the miracles that were happening was attributed to God, but they didn't really seem to grasp exactly who Jesus was. And if you notice, Nicodemus, he calls Jesus Rabbi. And the word rabbi in the Greek, it means teacher. And while it's true that Jesus was a teacher, He was much, much more than a fellow rabbi. If Nicodemus had truly understood who Jesus was at this point in time, then I believe He would have been kneeling. I believe He would have been worshiping. I believe He would have been praising God. In Matthew 16, Jesus asks His disciples, He says, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, but then Jesus asked them specifically, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And while it's true that Jesus didn't get this explicit and this detailed with Nicodemus, he could have, and I wonder what Nicodemus would have said. Because see, there's a huge difference in believing in someone as a religious leader or a political figure among the people. And in believing in someone as the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God. But what's funny about this conversation is that Nicodemus in verse 2, he says to Jesus, he says, we know. So this is not individual, but this is plural. He says, we know. But look how Jesus replies to him in verse 3 as he says, I tell you the truth. Jesus knew exactly what Nicodemus was searching for before the words even came out of his what? Before it came out of his mouth. Nicodemus wanted to know about heaven or what Jesus describes as the kingdom of God. And scripture is very clear. That we don't even need to speak for God to know what's on our hearts. Acts one twenty four says, the Bible says this, You, Lord, know the heart of all what? Of all people. Father, you know what's on my heart. I, he, right now, as we sit right here in this very room, God knows what's on your What? On your heart. He knows if you were just here to support Jacob this morning. He knows this morning if you're a Christian. He knows if you are proclaimed to be atheist, agnostic, unbelieving, in the middle, no matter where you are. He knows if you can't wait to get up and get out of here because your toes are tickling. Amen? He knows. He knows if you're uncomfortable right now, He knows that you might want to hear it, but you might not want to hear it. There may be truth here that you're not ready to to grasp this morning or handle, but God knows what's on your very heart this morning. Why? Because God's the creator of all. Amen? He knows the very hair on your head, or if you're me, you're losing it. He knows exactly what's going on each and every day in your life. What's even more amazing is that Jesus was more concerned about the man Nicodemus than what Nicodemus thought about Jesus at that very moment. Isn't that funny? And the more that Nicodemus thought he knew, the less he knew. See, Jesus wanted to move Nicodemus away from where he thought that he needed to be to where Christ wanted him to be. And as a Jew and a Pharisee, he thought by birth, well, I'm already good. I'm already going to be in the kingdom of God. But Jesus tells him with the most serious nature, truly, truly, I say to you, and let's include his name just for giggles, Nicodemus, you must be born what? Again, Jesus went right to the heart of Nicodemus and the matter at hand. Being born a Jew would not be good enough. It's not good enough. Being a child of Abraham would no longer do. The knowledge of the law would not longer satisfy because Jesus had now come. The Old Testament law was being fulfilled in their very eyes. And now the focus was on the heart and belief because now it was about a relationship. It wasn't about religion anymore. But it was about belief. It was about faith. It was about confessing who Jesus was. And hear me this morning, church. Being a good person isn't good enough. Sitting in a church or believing one's religion isn't good enough. Popularity and wealth and education are not good enough. Just thinking that Jesus is a good teacher, that's not good enough. Do you want to know the truth? And that's why I said, do we understand this? Do you really want to know what lies ahead for each of us when we leave this life? See, Jacob has already made his reservation. Amen? He's already called a head seating at Texas Roadhouse and said, Put me down. I'm on my way. So no matter what happens to him from this day or from that day of salvation, no matter what happens, he's a winner either way. You can't take it. The Holy Spirit seals him. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. And you tell me, who can unseal God? Somebody said, I think you can lose your salvation. You can't lose something you didn't have. Because when God seals you, who can unseal you? That's only God. And God's not in the business of unsealing. God's in the business of salvation. God's in the business of telling us you've got to be born again. And so, as Jesus spoke that night to Nicodemus, Jesus began explaining to each of us, and here's where your sermon outline begins. You ready? Number one, we need to understand the salvation is a what? This is a personal decision between you and who? Between you and Jesus. This is a personal decision. Nicodemus was supposedly looking for the truth, and Jesus gave him the truth, and he said, "I tell you the what." I tell you the truth. The situation between Nicodemus and, and Jesus it's a prime example of what Jesus wants us to understand regarding our salvation. Nicodemus sought after Jesus to have this private conversation just between Jesus and himself. And here's where the truth begins. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? You will be saved. So if you notice, Romans 10, 9, it's personal. It says, if you confess. No person can place the Holy Spirit within you. No person can force you to walk the aisle and receive Jesus as your Savior. It begins with you and it ends with you. And we have to be like Nicodemus in such a way that we are searching for Christ. But here's the good news. Jesus is not hard to find. Amen. He ain't hard to find. You don't have to walk the dirty streets of Jerusalem on a darkened night. All you have to do is come to Him in prayer and admit your need for a what? A Savior. In Romans 10, 13 it says what? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Are you searching for Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Jesus told Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, the truth is this. No one can pass on their salvation to you. Listen to me. No one can pass their salvation on to you. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your grandma, not your grandpa, not your family, not your pastor, not your church family. Nobody can pass it on. The question is for you. Do you have a personal relationship? With jesus christ jesus also explained to nicodemus and to us as well number two we need to understand that salvation is possible because of a what a crucified and risen savior a crucified and risen savior jesus says in verse three no one can see the kingdom of god unless he is what born again And so at this point in conversation, I'm betting Nicodemus is wondering, what in the heck have I got myself into? What have I done? This man is answering my questions before I can even spit them out my mouth. And what I thought I knew is no longer efficient. What I thought I had will no longer do. I thought I had it all figured out. And life was fine. Life was great. And now all of a sudden, this man's words is telling me, if I want to go to heaven, then i got to be born again from above look at Nicodemus' reply in verse 4. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And then we see Jesus, the dialect in verses 5 through 8. And for the second time, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. But this time he adds more and he says, you have to be born of water and the Spirit. And Jesus wasn't telling Nicodemus that he had to be born again physically because that is impossible. But Jesus was illustrating the point to him that this new birth is only possible through who? Through Jesus Christ. Not by keeping the law, not by being good, not by being religious, but through a personal relationship. Through a personal relationship. Titus 3, 5 says He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of the rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So how does the necessity of spiritual birth take place? You ready? This is going to explain it. Spiritual rebirth begins by realizing our what? Our need. Do we truly understand our need for forgiveness? Romans 3.23, it tells us where we've all sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us need forgiveness. And you may think, Brother Donnie, what in the world do I need forgiveness from? We're all sinners. We're all born into sin. Every single one of us need to understand that we need forgiveness, and we can't forgive what? We can't forgive ourselves. We've all sinned. If that's the case, we all need God's forgiveness. And there's only one way to get that forgiveness. And that's by being born what? That's by being born again. And then spiritual birth begins by realizing that Christ what? He is who he says he is. Amen. I love Popeye growing up. Remember Popeye said, I am who I am. Right? Well, that's how we understand who Jesus is. He is who he says he is. He's the son of God. Started a brand new Bible study on Wednesday nights. If you missed it, you've only missed one Wednesday night. But we've been talking about creation. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was there in the beginning and all things were made through Him and nothing was made that was not made through Him. He is who He says He is. The way, the truth, and the life. Spiritual rebirth also begins by confessing Him as our Savior. You heard Jacob say that he confessed Jesus, and he invited him into his heart. Nicodemus could confess him as a teacher or a rabbi, but he did not come confessing him as the Messiah. And then look at Nicodemus' reply in verse 9. Nicodemus says, how can this be? And then verses 10 through 15, Jesus says, here's his reply. For the third time, Jesus says, Nicodemus, I tell you the truth. And the word that stands out in, this ver- in these verses is the word believe. See, the Israelites, they had a hard time believing and trusting in God since the days that the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. They wanted to hang on to the law. They wanted to hang on to Judaism, but their lack of faith kept them from seeing the true Messiah. And Jesus even gave Nicodemus a glimpse into his future when he said, the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. If we want salvation, if we want our heavenly reward, then we must place our faith and trust in Jesus who was born and died and rose again. And then lastly, Jesus explained to Nicodemus and to us as well. We need to understand the salvation of Jesus sparks a what? A radical change in what we believe and whom we worship and our eternal what our eternal direction. At this point in their conversation, would one think that conviction was pouring out of the heart of the soul of Nicodemus. Salvation was sitting right in front of him as they had been talking face to face. The Son of God, whom the Jews had been highly anticipating, who had come to save the world from their sins and came to save and seek that which was lost was right there. And Jesus said to Nicodemus as he says that each of us today whoever believes in me is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only what son. See when we understand that being born again it's personal. It's a necessity. And it radically changes what we believe and who we believe in. Not only does it change our lives here on this earth, but it changes our eternity forever. When Christ saves us and we're born again, here's what's going to happen. Are you ready? Look at your outline. We're a new what? We're a new creation. When Jesus saves us, the Bible says we're a brand new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new What? He's a new creature. We have a new what? We have a new direction. And I know this is hard to write all this down, but I'm going to give you a second as we try to explain a little bit by bit. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the what? I'm the way. So we're a new creation. We have a new direction. We have a new motivation. Colossians 3.17 tells us, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through the Father. So we got a new motivation in our life. We also have a new dedication. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, whether heartily uh, do, do it in the name of the Lord, rather for men. So we're doing everything we do. We're no longer doing it for ourselves. We're no longer doing it for men, but we're doing it for who? We're doing it for God. So we have a new, we're a new creation. We have a new direction. We have a new motivation. We have a new dedication. And we also have a new way of what? we got a new way of thinking. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth. Wow. What in the world would the United States look like if we started doing that? Amen? What in the world would we look like as a people if we set our, th- our minds on the things above and not on the things of this earth? We also have a new family. When you get saved, you got a brand new family. Amen? Jacob's got a brand new family. That is awesome. You don't have to be blood to be family. Amen? When you confess Jesus Christ, you are brought into the family. Romans 12, 5, So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so God has now given Jacob a, a, a gift. He's given him a gift and he's going to use that gift to encourage others. And hopefully to help bring others to Jesus Christ. We also have a new destination. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, We are of good courage, as saying prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. When you get saved, the Bible says that you're sealed. That you have a waiting place. I guarantee you all of us are looking forward to the day we go to heaven. Amen? Ain't no more tears. There's no more pain. There's no more Republican or Democrat. There's no more division. We're all just brothers and sisters in Christ, and the only one we're going to praise is Jesus Christ. That's the only one. And can you imagine how it would change this world today if we would just start living a little bit more heavenly here than waiting for heaven? But what happens to those who don't believe? And I'm going to get a little personal. Some of you guys think, well, it's okay. i got plenty of time. (laughs) Jesus says, whoever does not believe stands condemned. Now, most people, they want to talk about heaven, but hardly no one wants to talk about the realities of hell. Brother Donnie, let's don't talk about hell. There's kids. Let's don't talk about hell, Brother Donnie. There's teenagers. Let's don't talk about hell, Brother Donnie. There's people here that are lost. 2 <laughs> Thessalonians 1, 8-9 says, He will punish those who don't know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Church, hear me. People at home, hear this. Not making a decision to believe in Jesus is still making a decision. Not making a decision to believe in Jesus is still making a decision. Are you at that point in your life like Nicodemus was? Mom, dad, individual, father, wife? Sister, brother, friend, whoever you may be this morning. He saw Christ at work. He had seen what Christ had done for others, but he just wasn't real sure if Christ was who he said he was. What's holding you back from believing today? What's holding you back from coming forward? Do you honestly understand the need to be spiritually reborn? People are crying and praying out to this world for change, for this world to be better. And church, hear me, if this world is going to change for the better, then Jesus has to increase. He has to increase. And it starts with admitting our need for forgiveness, believing in Jesus as our Savior, and confessing Him as our Lord. And for those who confess Jesus as their Savior, let me just ask you, I'm not leaving you out this morning. You ready? How's your personal walk with Him? How's your personal walk with Jesus right now? Because listen to me. First time I've ever pastored through a pandemic. And I pray it's my last. This has been the hardest time. And I have seen people's spiritual walk crumble. People are depressed. People are dealing with anxiety. People are dealing with loss. People are dealing with no hope. How is your walk with Jesus today? Man to man, man to woman, man to child, man to teenager. I want you to pray. I want you to think about that right now. Where are you with God? Has Jesus radically changed your life? Because if you want to look at me and you want to tell me, Brother Donnie, my life has not changed. I'm still the person that I was, and I've been saved a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Or if you look at me and say, Donnie, I was saved, but my life is just miserable. You need to come and pray this morning. You need to come and rededicate your life back to Jesus, because God is still good, amen? And God has not left you. God is still with you. And you don't have to wait to be saved and be baptized, as Jake said. You can come today. You can come today and admit your need for a Savior. You can come today. Maybe there's some here you've been saved, but you've never been plunged. Boy, I'd love to get you in there. I've not lost one yet. And I baptized some big ones. (laughs) Do you understand the need this morning? If an eight-year-old child, am I right, eight, seven, if a seven-year-old child understands the need of salvation, then what is our excuse? Amen? Don't let today be another day you don't make a decision. the holy spirit's moving god is working let today be a new day a new direction so as we come as you stand and we're going to sing this morning and praise god don't wait this altar is for you come and make a change in your life for you and for your family for your coworkers for your neighbors For people that you've never even met yet, come and be a change for them. Amen. Let's stand.